is, is one from 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. I'm sure many of us are familiar with it, but it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Let's pray for Neil, Chloe and Ben and ourselves. Father, in the name of Jesus, mindful of your gifted spirit here, we're glad to gather in this place, in this time. We are humble that in Jesus we can be assured that this phrase, if my people, we recognize through Jesus we become the children, the people of God, called by you, by your name. We humble ourselves, we gather in worship to say it's all about you. We gather to pray, to be stirred afresh, to intercede for ourselves, to seek you, to know you better, to encounter you afresh. We turn our eyes and gaze to you. Forgive us of the things where we have failed, and fallen, where we fumbled it. We return to you in every way we can. And we pray we would have ears to hear you. Your spirit would move and reassure us of the forgiveness won and brought liberally poured out through the cross and forgive our land, heal our land only you can do this this evening Holy Spirit you are welcome here I'm glad for my friends family from this church and guests as we come to worship we pray blessing on Neil and Ben and Chloe thank you for that they can be amongst us. Fill them with your spirit as they lead us, encourage us, help us, serve you. Bless them, please, too, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Neil. Well, good evening, everyone. How are we all doing? We really feel we're amongst friends actually now when we come to Chipping Camden. We've been here four times, four or five times over the last six months and we just love it. It's one of our favourite churches. I say that everywhere I go. but um, <laughs> uh, And it's a Baptist church, isn't it? So I, I grew up in a Baptist church. So I'm even more I feel like amongst friends. And... Um, and I just bumped into what was the worship leaders we've been working with, Zach and Bridget, is it Bridget? And Sally, and some other people. I'm not great at names. <coughs> Phil, have you got a worship leader called Phil? Yeah. Yes. And um, I can't remember the other ones. I'm sorry, I'm so bad. But it's so, so good to, to be here. And I've even just met one of my old work colleagues from my Zurich days. I, I used to be a, an actuary with Zurich Insurance. Malcolm, where have you, where have you gone? I saw your face again. Yes. 
You know how you see people out of context and you're going, I know you, but I haven't a clue where I saw you. We just had that conversation, but it's lovely to see you again and lovely to be here. Um, and we've been on a sort of journey with your worship leaders that we've, we've, we've loved being on in terms of understanding more about worship and the prophetic in worship. And we're going to share a little bit of that journey with you tonight. And then we're all going to get involved in uh, some worship. I know you as well. Good evening. Good evening. We <laughs> Actually, no, we saw each other last weekend, two weekends ago. Philippians, Philippians weekend. Nice to see you again. Is there anyone else I know who I haven't spotted yet? <laughs> Do I know you? You've been at WTC. Which year? Excuse me a minute. We're just going to have a go. You were just at the last one where I was singing. Are you from Birmingham? Sorry? You're the guy with one eye. I don't remember the guy with one eye. (laughs) This is good. Any more? Any other friends I know that I haven't mentioned yet? No. Okay. That's good. Um, what was I saying? Yes, we're going to share a little bit of the journey in the worship and prophetic. Um, before that, I do that, I just thought I'd tell you a little bit bit more about me. So for those of you who I haven't met yet, which is getting a smaller number by the minute. Um, so my name is Neil Bennett. I'm married to Susie. Uh, in fact, my wife has been away this weekend on her 50th birthday sort of girlies thing. Um, uh, so I've been at home. I've looked after the dog at stake, ordered curries and all that sort of thing that you do when you're right away. Um, and my background is, yeah, I grew up in a Baptist church. I've been in various churches, Anglican churches and, and so on. And <clears throat> I used to be an actuary with Zurich Insurance. Um, and then just as I was about to hit the money, God sort of spoke to me and said, I, I want you to stop now. And so I stopped being an actuary and I committed financial suicide and joined the church as a worship pastor of a church in Cheltenham called Trinity Cheltenham, and I was there for about 20 years as a worship pastor um, until about two, two or three years ago when I finally decided I couldn't do another music rota and I needed to get my head in something else. So I then moved out of that. I also, during that time, was involved in... Have you heard of New Wine? I mean, New Wine, so I led a a lot of worship New Wine and headed up their worship ministry... Uh, and had a, a, an absolute ball doing that. But felt God called me out of that again about two years ago, which was, it feels like God takes me to those places where things are just about to happen, and he says, no, I want you to move now. And then you go, oh, it's just going to go, go, no, I want you to move now. And actually, in the last one, I, I moved out, and actually then had a, actually, I was realized once I stopped work that I was totally, totally burnt out. Um, and sometimes in ministry, we do that. We, we love what we do, and we don't take care of ourselves necessarily in the way we should. And so actually I've had two years off when I finished my master's. So I know it doesn't sound like off studying your master's, but I, I, uh, I stopped doing ministry for two years and I finally finished my master's with WTC, which is where we met. And apart from studying theology, I played a lot of golf. And I've done very well in my theology degree. My golf is still frustratingly poor. Um, but I spent two years off. And then as I came out of that, um, sort of season, I, I was then praying, well, what, 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 what is the next thing for me? Because I'd, I was going to go in a different job, had got ill, so I couldn't. And God started to birth this little dream in me about um, what we're doing now, which is called the Worship Foundation. And it's a, it's a charity we're setting up, which um, I've always enjoyed in my, my work at, at churches, uh, investing in younger people and seeing them grow and develop and, 
and raise up in ministry, and I've always done that as part of my job, and I, I felt God say, well, now I want you to do that all your time. I want to give you a, all your time to investing in worship leaders, teaching them, training them. And so that's what I'm trying to do now. Um, we're still in the process of setting up a charity, so lots of work to do, but that's something I really want to give my life to. And actually, it's so exciting, isn't it, when we see uh, young leaders grow and develop and then start to fly in ministry and I mean, Ben and Chloe, who have been, uh, we, we've been, I was going to say together, but that sounds a bit wrong, doesn't it? We, we've we shared in ministry for three years. You came to do a worship academy with me uh, about three years ago. And then after a while, you, you realize actually you work with people, they stop being your students and they sort of recognize you as a mentor. Then they sort of recognize you a friend and suddenly you realize actually you're, you're learning just as much from them as you're giving. Although actually that hasn't quite happened with you two yet, but we're still, I'm still waiting, hoping it might happen. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. And so uh, we've got, we're gonna, with the Worship Foundation, we've got to focus in our home region, which is Gloucestershire. Because um, I think if you're gonna do ministry, the best place to do it first is in your, your location. But we, it also takes us to other places, which is really exciting. Um, as I say, still at the very start of the journey, setting up a charity, lots of things to do. But So if there's any charity workers out there who are experts in helping people with charities, come and see me afterwards. That would be really helpful. So what we're going to do tonight is I'm going to speak for just about 20 minutes, hopefully not uh, too long. And I'm going to speak about the prophetic, and I'm going to speak about the prophetic particularly in worship. And then um, we're all going to try try it, okay? So I'm going to tell you what we're going to do, and then we're going to do it. You with me still? And it will be, I suspect it will be different from maybe what you're used to. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe it won't be, but I suspect it will be a, a little different. I suspect it might be slightly uncomfy for, for some of us. I mean, just to give you a sense of... Uh, comfort as well. Whenever we do this, we feel a bit nervous, we feel a bit vulnerable, we feel a bit unsure. That's sort of what this stuff is about, part and parcel of it. So if, if, if we make you slightly uncomfortable, uh, we're feeling it too. Okay, so what is the prophetic then, I think? This is where I'll start. And how does it impact on our worship? Well, I think in terms of the prophetic, uh, probably the first place we go to is the Bible. And the Bible is full absolutely chocker-full of prophets. The last 17 books of the Bible is devoted to the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, through to Malachi. Jesus himself was called a prophet, the woman who met him at the well in John 4. Remember the story, the, the Samaritan woman, and they have that conversation about water, and she's talking about water, and he's talking about uh, the life of the Spirit, and they sort of clash a little bit. But she says, even in the midst of that, I can see you are a prophet. Jesus described John Baptist in Matthew 9 as a prophet. Paul urges people to prophesy and to earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. We're told in Ephesians about the fivefold ministry of apostles and evangelists and pastors and teachers and prophets. And um, I've been in um, uh, various churches, I'm not going to mention the name, but one particular one, which I loved and still have many friends in there, that they, would, they wouldn't um, even start to talk about the gift of prophecy. And it's just like, this was a Bible-believing church. And you think, well, if you read your Bible, 
it's prophets and prophecy goes right the way through it. It's, it's quite an interesting uh, church to be part of. But the question is still, what is the prophetic? And then we'll get on to how it impacts worship. Drawing on all my theological expertise from WTC, I go to the Hebrew word for prophet. And there are two Hebrew words uh, for a prophet. The first one is this is roeh. It's R-O-E-H. Essentially, that means someone who sees. A prophet is someone who sees. And there's another word in the Hebrew. It's nebai. It means one who speaks. So the prophet not only sees and sees what the spirit is doing, but speaks it out. A friend of mine, um, Glenn Packian, puts it like this. The prophet sees a different world and speaks a different word. The prophet sees a different world and speaks a different word. They can see things that maybe other people can't see and are bold in their speaking. So, for example, Isaiah, one of the key prophets in the Old Testament, starts with saying, this is the vision of Isaiah. And then he says, hear, O heaven, and give ear. The prophet sees a different world and speaks a different word. And actually, don't, don't we need to, to know how God is seeing things all the time? We need to know how God is seeing things. And for those of us at the moment who, who might say, my world looks quite dark at the moment, don't we need to hear what God can see? Don't we need to hear what God can see? And this is the sort of like the challenge of the prophetic, though. It's not just we need to see, we need to speak it. You know, that's the challenge for me. Quite often I get a sense of what God is seeing, but I'm just, I'm just too, too much of a wimp to, to speak it out. Does anyone else feel a bit like that? You get a prophetic sense and you see it, but you don't say anything. The prophet has the courage to speak as well. And the prophet says that things and sees that things maybe don't have to be the way they are right now. It's like it's almost like shines light in our darkness so often, doesn't it? And it's quite a um, this is this is why it's so important, why community is so important. Sometimes when we're in that place, we need someone who can see because we're just we're just too caught up in our circumstances. And that's that's reality. Sometimes we say we don't we don't want to be caught up in our circumstances, but we are. That's where community comes in. Someone says. This is what God is seeing now. And that's such an encouragement, isn't it, when we have that. So the prophet sees a different world and speaks a different word. But of course, um, I recognize that there's, there's probably quite a bit of hesitancy, isn't there, in, in the use of the prophetic. I don't know... Uh, what it's like here, but certainly in many places I've been, there's a slight hesitancy about the prophetic, and I think it's probably worth just sort of mentioning those so we can deal with them. Um, and I think um, one, of, one of the things I find 
and really frustrating about the prophetic is when someone comes and says, um, blah, 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 thus says the Lord. And it's almost like attaches this sort of um, a significance and accuracy to their prophetic word that, like, it's like, really? Can you really be that clear? Sometimes we can um, be a little bit abusive like that. You know, this is what God is saying to you now. Um, and I think there's, um, there's a way we can do all that when we, when we operate in the prophetic, and that's always to think this. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And so I love it when someone comes and prays and says, I could be wrong, but actually I sense God is doing this. And I'm going, there's a sort of vulnerability or there's a humility in the way that that gifting is um, offered. And that gives me actually comfort. So I think that's one thing I want to say in terms of knocking one of those things in the head. Whenever we operate in the prophetic, just think we could be wrong. We could be wrong. I think the other thing I've mentioned is when we operate in the prophetic, it makes us feel a little bit vulnerable. I've always mentioned that. I don't know, you know, if you ever give a prophetic word, if you've given a prophetic word and felt slightly silly when you've done it, put your hand up. Okay. So that's generally, that's generally the case, isn't it? We give prophetic words and we feel like a bit of an idiot. Sometimes prophetic words, you know, I can see a bird and a, and a circle and, a, you know, we, we say what God is saying and I think, that sounds absolutely rubbish. And then someone says, ah, oh, but that spoke to me. But there is a sense that we can feel very vulnerable. And I think the way we can deal with that is develop a culture amongst ourselves uh, that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes with the prophetic. It's okay to make mistakes. And that's something that I'm sure knowing... <clears throat> Edward and, and the leadership here that, that they will do. That, you know, it's not always a case of we are absolutely right and we never make mistakes. It's actually, we could be wrong and we do make mistakes, but we're going to have a go anyway. You see, I think the f- fear shouldn't determine the course of our life and it shouldn't determine the way we operate in ministry. And fear is not the right environment to operate our gifts in. If we're fearing because we're vulnerable, we're fearing because we could have get it wrong, that's actually something we need to get over, really. We need to get over that. So I hope tonight, as we, we, we move to worship in, in a while, is that you won't be afraid of it, you won't be daunted by it, or you won't be overwhelmed with it. You'll be a bit excited by it, and you'll just be prepared to give it a go. Is that okay? It's going to be a bit of risk. Let's have a go. So, what does the prophetic in worship, particularly in worship, and when I'm, when I'm using the word worship here, I know I'm talking about the times like sort of in a moment we're going to specifically, if you like, attend to the presence of God, focus on the presence of God. We're going to sing songs, we're going to pray, we're going to prophesy. I'm talking that about worship. I know there are various other ways of thinking about worship. In fact, I'm sure Sally spoke about that this morning. So, But what is it like the prophetic in worship and I'm not I'm not like one of these people who goes around and sees something amazing that God's saying in everything you see you know oh there's a screen oh that reminds me that God says something I'm not that sort of person Um, but every now and again I see something and God speaks to me and I've got a picture I want to put up and this was um can we get it up Let 
a little bit blurry, but that's okay. So this isn't just to show off the fact that I went to the Italian lakes on holiday one year. But this was, um, I went to, on holiday to the Italian lakes one year, and we were on Lake Garda, and it's a very special place for, for me and my wife. We've been a couple of times. And we went on um, a boat trip, and we were in a normal sort of touristy boat. And as we, as we, as we, we sort of went along the lake, this, this massive, it doesn't look so massive there, this massive sort of sailing ship, um, with its sails up, came past us. And, and God spoke to me really quite profoundly about worship um, through this um, sailing ship. And for me, worship and the prophetic in worship is like a catching the wind of the Spirit in your sails. Catching the wind of the Spirit in your sails. Sometimes we feel like, you know, we, we're tempted to, to like, um, be the engine and, and drive everything, don't we? But actually, for me, it's far more about catching the wind of the Spirit. It still takes a bit of effort to put the sails up. But what we're trying to do is catch the wind of the Spirit, catch the wind of the Spirit. What is he doing now? What is he saying now? What is the wide open space he wants to lead us into now? And there's various ways I think we can do that. Um, Sometimes uh, we sing in tongues. I don't know if that's something you do regularly or some people do, some people don't. I think it's a gift. I'd encourage everyone to ask for the gift. But sometimes when we're really struggling to find the exact words to say, tongues are really helpful, aren't they? Um, you know, you, you may be facing particular... You know, when I f- I'm facing some challenges at the moment, I walk around the lake, I walk around the... Uh, walking the dog, and I speak in tongues. I get some very strange looks. But that's what I do. I haven't got the words. It's a gift to express what we're sensing. Sometimes we'll sing spontaneous songs. Songs that are new, almost like that come, they're a gift from God in the moment. You know, it's quite possible that even Matt Redmond hasn't written the song that this church needs to sing now. Quite possible. No one has written the song that you need to sing now, that we need to sing tonight. And that's really what a spontaneous song. Sometimes the songs just haven't been written that we need to sing. That's what a spontaneous song is. Sometimes the spontaneous song can be led from a worship leader. Um, Ben and Chloe, they're great at that sort of thing. Um, Sometimes it can come from someone in the congregation. It gets harder the bigger the the gathering, but sometimes it can come from from the floor. In fact, I, I love the way that some worship leaders can hear someone sing in the congregation and they almost pick up on it and then encourage everyone else to sing it. I love to see that, that happen. You know, one of the, um, I get the chance to go around many, many churches and conferences and things like that, and I love the songs that come out of Hillsong and come out of Bethel and come out of all, all the, I love those songs, don't get me wrong, but sometimes I just want to say to people, have you not got your own song? What's the song that God wants you to sing, your unique song? And sometimes when we move in the prophetic, we catch the wind of the Spirit, it's more likely we're going to sing those. We were here, uh, six or seven of us, on the last session, we just worshipped for ages. And then I can't remember who it was. Was it, um, who was it who then started to sing the, Tim, was it, was it, was it you? I can, and I can remember what it was. We just, we were singing, and you sing, even dry bones will rise up. Was that it? Even dry bones will rise up. We just sang it again and again. 
Even dry bones will rise up. Sing it. Even dry bones will rise up. Two. Let's do it again. Mm -hmm. Even dry bones will rise up. Even dry bones will rise up. And again. Even dry bones will rise up. Even dry bones will rise up. Here you are. A new song just for Chipping Camden Baptist Church. Maybe we should sing it later. Isn't it exciting when that happens? No one has sung this song before, and it's for us. And God is speaking to us, and we're going to sing out what he's speaking to us about. Even dry bones will rise up. Is that a song for you at the moment? Even dry bones will rise up. I mean, some people will call prophetic worship spirit-led. I think, I think that's right, although it does, I do sort of think, what's worship that isn't spirit-led? I just think actually all worship is spirit-led. The prophetic seems to have a, a particular dimension to it. So here's some of the things, uh, a few other points about the prophetic that, we, that I think we need to hold in our, in our minds. Firstly, all manifestations of the Spirit are for the common good. Prophetic in worship is for the good of the people. All the prophetic utterances are for the good of the people. So... I'm just to move on a little bit. So what happens then when we engage more in the prophetic? What are we going to see? What's going to happen? These are some of the questions you're probably asking. Firstly, this. This, this, is, this is what I would say I see the fruit of the prophetic. Firstly, we grow in intimacy with the Father. We grow in intimacy with the Father. As we listen attentively, speak out what he's saying to us, sing about out the songs he gives us, we grow in intimacy you know, sometimes actually when, um, <clears throat> I love singing songs that have sort of stood the test of time. I love doing that. But sometimes it's easier to switch off, isn't it, in those songs. If God is doing something new, it's almost like you've got to keep your attention. You've got to keep your attention there. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what your marriage is like. I'm not going to go into the details of mine. But one of the things my wife says to me every now and again is you're here, but you're not really here. You know, you're present, but you're not really present. Sometimes, you know, actually we need to really engage more deeply with the person we love than just, just being in the room. And that's a little bit what I, I, I sense about the prophetic. And that's why it grows us in our intimacy with the, the Father. And I think, um, secondly, we learn together more of the Father's heart for our church, our community now. We see and we hear what is on God's heart and we sing it, if you like, into existence. We sing it into existence. <clears throat> Sometimes that can be such something like there is someone in the room who needs to hear a particular encouragement from God right now. So, you know, if, if Tim sings out, even dry bones will rise up, even dry bones will rise up. It might be because there are a couple of people here who really need to hear that now, now, now. It's for now. Sometimes we can get a sense of a major promise or a major thing that we need to pray into as a church. 
So actually, we could have even dry bones up, will rise up. It could be, actually, this is a call on the life of our church now for Chipping Camden. We learn more of the Father's heart for our church in our community for now. And sometimes that can also be a real call to prayer. I love the fact we start with 2, two Chronicles 7.14. Um, often the prophetic is um, a call to prayer. We hear what God is saying and that, that drives us to pray and intercede and, and keep going with it. So that's another thing I think the prophetic does and prophetic in worship. It stirs us up to pray, which has to be a good thing. And I think I also get this, 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 this sense that when we're prophetic in worship, it starts to un, unlock, unlock things, maybe things that have been um, unclear and unseen, they, they come out into the open, it unlocks things, brings about his kingdom coming. You know, there are probably in this room some people who need particular chains broken tonight prophetic can often unlock that there are some people here who who probably need some things healed in their lives the prophetic can unlock that it's a dynamic of the spirit coming and releasing his kingdom in the room and as i say it all makes it, we all feel vulnerable to it we have to be brave with it we have to realize that we could make mistakes with it and if we make mistakes it's probably good that we laugh about it afterwards rather than get beat ourselves up but it, the impact of it in people's lives can be amazing Is this all right? Yeah. I said 20 minutes. How long have I spoken for? I always go too long. How many? I've spoken for five minutes. Oh, great. <sighs> great. Loads of more points I can bring out. Sorry? I tell the truth. <laughs> okay, I'll just have a couple more points. Oh, dear. One, two. Which point shall I do? Just a couple of other things about practicality is probably worth saying. I think um, I would suggest, and I know I'm, I'm not the leader of the church, but if I was, I would say the prophetic in this environment needs to be encouraging, and for build, as I said, for building up. There is a sense that the prophetic from now and again can be quite sort of speaking truth to power, quite critical. That's valid in the prophetic. I just think for, for management purposes in gatherings like this, we should stick to the encouraging. Other contexts you can share... Um, other sorts of words, probably worth just saying that. I think also there's a sense of, you know, it is slightly messy, but also there's a, a, a decency and an order about it. You know, so try and make it not too confusing. Try and make sure as many people in the room are as included in what's going on, that they can hear what's going on. And I think that it's also a call to exercise good leadership in the prophetic there needs to be someone in the room who is saying, well, I'm going to make some sort of spiritual oversight of what's going on here. I may have to make some calls. I may get it wrong, but someone needs to do that. And, I, I, you know, normally that would tend to be uh, the pastor or whoever's leading the service. I think that's important to say. I think also another thing, and I'm speaking, I'm speaking really more to worship leaders here. So if you're a worship leader in the room and you're still here, um, I would like to say... To be spontaneous and prophetic worship doesn't mean you don't prepare, okay? It doesn't mean you don't prepare. I've actually found out if you prepare really well, you're released to be more prophetic. 
Um, I just remember ages ago I led worship and this guy came from another church and he was going to be prophetic and and we started he said oh we don't do practices you know we don't practice we just do the prophetic stuff and sometimes it can get really messy if you're a worship leader or if you're involved in the life of the church and the prophetic preparation is good thing okay it's a really really good thing And I think the other thing is also the, the leader or the overseer isn't the one who has all the prophetic words. It's not like, it's not all down to Edward, it's not all down to Phil. Um, leadership actually, for me, isn't about being the best of everything. It's about bringing the best out of everyone. And even in the case of prophetic, we as leaders want to bring the best out of you. We want to bring the best out of you and your gift. We want to bring the best out of you and your gift. That's what we're trying to do. Right. Oh, I think I did speak for half an hour, didn't I? It's not bad. I've, I've done worse, haven't I? I've done worse. Yes, I'd love a glass of water. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So, how are we feeling about trying to do some of this stuff? Okay, put your hand up if you're really nervous right now about trying to do it. One, two, two and a half, two and three, just three. Good. Okay, that's not bad. That's good. So the rest, put your hands up if you're really, really excited right now. Ooh. Okay, so, <laughs> well done. So the rest of you, just tell me what you're feeling. You, huh? Halfway. Describe halfway between excited and nervous. Willing to give it a bit of a go and see what happens. Is that right? So, as I say, whenever we start to do things like this, um, we feel a bit nervous, we feel vulnerable, we're going to take some risks and we may get it wrong. So if we get it really wrong, as I say, the thing to do is not take yourself too seriously, have a little giggle and then try again, okay? Um, we're not going to move from being a totally, you know, never done prophetic to being the most prophetic worshipping community within the next 10 minutes. We're not going to do that. We're just going to try a few little steps, okay? Um, we're operating with your permission as leaders to do that. That's great. Worth checking. Uh, we've tried it out as a worship team. I'm just checking down my... T- what, what, what did I say? <laughs> did I miss something? He said yes. I'm okay. That's good. Uh, we've tried it out as worship leaders, so we've had a little go with worship leaders. We, Zach, we, we tried a bit of this. Can you remember? Yes. So, um, the way I think we're going to do it was we, Ben, Ben, why don't you come up? Ben and Chloe, you're going to lead us. So, I'm no pressure on Ben, but he's, a, uh, and Chloe as well, actually. They're both great, great worship leaders. And, um, what I think we'll do is we'll start by singing um, maybe a couple of songs or a song that you'll know really well. Um, and then probably, I'm not going to tell Ben exactly what to do, but probably then what we'll do is we'll sort of hang in the song at the end a little bit and maybe sing some phrases out. And Ben will then encourage it or I'll come up and encourage it. And we'll see how we get on and then maybe move on to another song. So it's going to be like we'll sing something we know. Then we'll maybe sing out, maybe we'll sing in tongues, maybe Ben will find a new song or whatever, and we'll try and sing that. And then we'll tr- then if 
we'll see how it goes from there. Is that okay? Is that okay? Are you okay for doing this? So remember what we're looking for? We're looking to grow in intimacy with the Father. We're listening to hear what he's saying to us now as a, as a community and sing that out. We're looking to build people up and we're looking to release things that are going to encourage us to pray more. So why don't we stand? And just as, as Ben sort of tunes up, um, you don't have to do this.